So you're listening to Crush the Cargo podcast, and this week our special guest with Andrew and me is Anna Frost. Hey, hi. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Hey, so you spent lockdown somewhere else, didn't you? Yep, I was in Colorado for um, two weeks of the New Zealand lockdown, so we were in self-isolation in Colorado, yep. and then two weeks in quarantine in a hotel in New Zealand so we were joining uh, the five million of you and in, in, in isolation in a different way <laughs> oh but was yours paid for so, so, what do you, do, so what do you reckon is it all a hoax I definitely don't think it's a hoax um okay. but I I do think that it's it's been a strange very very strange thing that we've all had to go through you know obviously some people have gone through um, a really scary time and others like myself have just kind of followed what the governments have said and done what I've been told to do but it hasn't really affected me in any way other than I've had to sit in quarantine so it's been it's been quite weird you know yeah 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 yeah, totally 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 but but you've been when you've been out you've been going out running all that sort of thing and like throughout um, the lockdown and yeah while i was in colorado we were allowed um out on local trails so um we were pretty lucky in durango we had a huge big trail system um all within within the town so um i was able to go running um in quarantine we were allowed to go out on the hour every hour for 45 minutes um to a car park and it actually had a huge big car park so we could do like a 400 meter loop um, which is something that usually if you'd say to me, like, go and do seven or eight kilometres out there in that car park, I'd say, uh, no, absolutely not. But it was oh, really, okay. really hard. Um, you could actually just get your brain into it. And, like, I actually enjoy just doing laps and laps and laps and laps. And um, Right, so who, who had the fastest lap, you or Braz? I think Braz did because he wanted to make sure that he did before we left because it was something we'd never go back and do it again. <laughs> so <he's got laughs> fun ne- ne- never say never. Never say never. Yeah, you never know. I might have to go back into that quarantine and be back in that hotel. Oh, I know. Well, were you we at the protests in the Octagon yesterday? Oh, I didn't hear about it, no. Oh, probably a good thing. Probably what was that thing. about? Oh, it was a um, oh, well, you know, a, a George Floyd murder in the States. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is really shit out. That is a really shit out thing. But, um, yeah. but yeah, there's all these protests are broken out everywhere. and Yeah, I've seen um, that in America, but I didn't realise it had come to Otago, to Dunedin, Octagon. Yeah, we like to yeah, yeah, no. in America. 
Yeah. So was it aggressive uh, or was it pretty calm or what? Oh no, the yeah no, it was the the ones in New Zealand were pretty calm from what I what I've seen. And in fact, even the ones in America, like most of the protests in America, most of the protesters are peaceful. But then you've got like the elements on the fringes that go go wreck everything for everyone else. But um, but no, it's like the social distancing. What happened to that? I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why I found this whole COVID-19 something so strange because there we were in lockdown and then the next moment we're all happy and we're out there and we're protesting together and um, it just seems like there's just been this built up anger of humans and it's like how do we get it out and what can we blame and who can we blame? There's no like no one's honouring. I'm blaming Grant, guys. Yeah, always blaming Grant, guys. <laughs> always his fault. Um, gosh, if he just wasn't doing his thing, then... But, yeah, like, if we could just, um, I don't know, honour, you know, what everything, everything that's going on, then don't you think we could get rid of this anger in a different way? We shouldn't need to protest. We so should next- run. We should just run. Yeah, we should just yeah. run. We should yeah. just go and find a mountain and go yeah, up and down run. it for 24 hours. Yeah. Speaking, of which, speaking of which, we occasionally talk about running on this podcast. So, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Occasionally. I mean, once in a while. Um, yeah, so how about you? You know, you're a bit of a runner. How did that all begin for you? How did it all begin? Um, well, I think from the moment I was born, I was ready to go. Um, I blame my parents for I, that I one. could have beaten you then. I could have beaten you in a race. Yeah. I think you would have beaten yeah. me out the other day. You looked like you're flying up there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's a good day for it. <laughs> yeah, it was a day for going up Mount Cargill. We had a stunning weekend in Dunedin. No one would believe us, would they, that the weather in Dunedin has been the best weather around the country. Yeah, it was awesome. It was stunning. Um, you're running out of the womb. Yep, pretty much. And um, I was very lucky that my parents, like my normal was in the outdoors. So everything that we did was camping or tramping or fishing or hiking um, or traveling. So that was kind of in my blood from from the get go. Um, And then I guess I learned really early on at school that um, if you didn't want to go to class, then play a sport and play it well, because then um, you get taken out to go to practices. So I was like, okay, I'm in. So the, I was playing, I, I was doing rowing, triathlon, harriers, um, hockey was my main sport, you know. So um, I realized that if I just played lots and lots of sports, I could get out of class. So um, that was consuming a lot of <laughs> running miles as well, you know, on the hockey field. Um, I think studies have shown it's something like um, 10 to 15 kilometers each game, you know, as a a forward um, player, striker or whatever. So, um, So yeah. So you weren't the goalie? Definitely not the goalie. No, I was the left wing because I'm a left-hander. So um, I was out out that side. Um, Oh, you kick-handed. Yeah. And then um, I, that carried on through to university and at Otago University, I was at PE school. So um, there was always an excuse to play um, a different sport or try a different game or whatever. So I went into triathlon, um, coached by John Hallamans. And that was um, probably the sort of 
turning point for me was, uh, you know, training with John Hellemans because he is so like focused and strict and forward moving. And so at that point he sort of said to me, you've got to decide, do you want to do triathlon or mountain running? And um, around that time I qualified for the um, world mountain running championships. They were in Italy as the fourth counter. Um, and I did. And, so, and everyone's like, what's mountain running? Yeah, no one knew what mountain running, I mean, I didn't even know what mountain running was and I had qualified for this world champs and I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, that sounds fun. Um, and just tootled off to Italy and had my eyes wide open. Like running, but on a mountain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, um, I set off around the course, you know, we arrived a couple of weeks early and set off on the course just to check it out and I was like, surely this can't be the course. I mean, look at it, it's straight up a mountain, it's not even on a track. Where do I step? It's just muddy dirty rocky there's no way up that mountain and sure enough it was up that mountain and i think for oh, me that began my um real love for the sport because it was so extreme and cool. um, you could see that there was all these different people traveling around and um enjoying this this sport that was actually a professional sport out there yeah what year was that that was 2004 2004 wow 2000. what were you doing in 2004 steve I was in, um, no, I was, I was, I went to, I went to Arche in Indonesia in 2000, oh no, it's 2005. <laughs> there was a big tsunami. Yeah, what was I doing in 2000? I, I think I was, I was probably failing my third year of uni, um, at that point. Um, oh no, actually my last year was my most successful year, I think I passed a few papers, but um. Never mind. Anyway, I, I was point. actually I was actually working as a doctor in two thousand and four. Nice. Ah, so what oh, happened cool. between two thousand and four and now? <laughs> I retired. <laughs> oh, there was that lawsuit thing. <laughs> <laughs> I told you we're not supposed to mention that. Don't talk about oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you find that non-disclosure thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, back to the mountain running champs. How did that go? Um, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, fabulous. You know, I um, I basically was just looking around everywhere as I was racing. I had sort of forgot about actually racing. Um, but I had I had an amazing time and um, realized that there was a Grand Prix series, so just like a car Grand Prix series, except it was for running. Um, so points per race and um, so I went back the next year and just packed my backpack and got on a plane and just took off and went over there and I basically just went from race to race and just listened to different people saying hey you should come to this race it's awesome or hey go to that race it's awesome so I just jump on a train and get off when it looked cool and um, how did you bloody pay for it all well you know that's what people say, but actually the only expensive thing was the flight out there. And then once I was there, the, you know, Italian trains were pretty cheap. I was just camping. I had my tent, um, cooking baked beans or, you know, something just really simple. It didn't actually cost me that much once I was there. Um, and then surprisingly, the races were actually offering some travel money. And I'm talking like 50 euro travel money, but that's, you know, all I needed. And, and that was the beauty of it was that you were really just doing it for the pure simplicity and the basic um, love for going and doing yeah, it. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah, and then when you go through the aid stations, like, you know, you just, like, sweep all the food into your, into your you know, exactly. take a bit of extra food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just load up. So occasionally take a doggy would... bag. That'll be for tonight. Yeah, and the organisers would put us up in these wonderful hotels before the race because we were international and, um, you know, would stock up on, would do, I'd do my washing in the bathtub and um, sleep in a nice clean bed for once and, like you say, stock up on the little packets of jams and butters and stuff from the hotel, pop them in your pocket and you're good for a week. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. So what happened after that? How did you get more into it? Well, I guess um, it's through sort of intrigue that, um, you know, these shorter distance mountain for, for women, because it's still split in terms of the distance it was when I was doing it, split in terms of the women and men, the women were doing shorter distances. Um, that was like about eight kilometers that most races were from bottom to top. Um, oh, well, you yeah. know what? That is still a thing in New Zealand right now. Right. Um, with like with the cross country races and and there was a there was a race up in Wellington where I think like Ruby Muir and a couple of others they 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 sort of did a bit of a protest and just wanted to run the men's distance and I think I brought it up at like a cross country committee meeting here and Mm -hmm. and everyone was like oh no we're not going to change it yeah I mean you know if it doesn't. Ha- we don't have to go to the women's distance or the men's distance. We could meet in the middle, you know. Why not do six k all of us instead yeah. of either eight k for the men and four k for the women? We could all do six k. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like most, most of the most most of the women most of the women are usually faster than most of the men. So. Yeah, exactly. But so that's probably why they don't want to change it because they're scared. Well, welcome, Adam. Yeah. Hi, Adam. Hey Anna, how are you? Good. Did you have a big night? Uh, yeah, another all nighter. Riding, were you? Another all nighter in Queenstown, you know. Yeah, mm. burning cars, burning <laughs> cars. No, nah, no, nah, I was just out for a run actually. Sorry, I'm late. No, you, 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 you didn't drive over to you didn't drive over to 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 yell at Dwight or anything. No, no. Okay, good, good. What, what, have, I, what have I missed? Anything exciting? Yeah, Anna's, Anna's been telling us about her first um, mountain trail run was, um, oh, the mountain running champs in Italy in 2004, and now we're just moving on from that. Cool. So, carry um, on. Yeah. So, basically, I was just saying that I was intrigued about what was around the next corner, you know, when you um, are training for these short distances and you want to go out for a nice long run, and those days for me was like an hour and a half. Um, and so you just want to go around the next corner, around the next corner, and all of a sudden you're training longer distances. And then um, I was introduced to sky running, um, which is a European based and um, I guess continues to be based mainly in Europe, um, where you're running up to high altitudes, you're running up to the tops of the mountains and back down to towns. And they increased in distances up to like 45 kilometers in those days. So then I was like, oh, okay, I could try a 20K and then a 40K. Um, and then in 2010, I think, was when I was challenged to do um, the San Francisco 50 miler. So that was my first step to ultra. 
Um, and I resisted it and resisted it for about six months. And then uh, my manager at the time just entered me. So I got an email saying, congratulations, you're entered in 50 miler. And so um, point, were you professional at that point? Uh, yeah. Yep. I was. Oh, okay. Um, and so I still said, no, I'm not doing it. That's stupid. I don't want to run 50 miles. And um, then someone just said to me, well, why not? And I had absolutely no reason why not that I just because I didn't want to. So um, I trained my butt off here in Dunedin. Actually, I trained for that one. I just did hours and hours and hours over on Cargill, Flagstaff, um, awesome, awesome training zone for a 50 miler because you can literally run um, for hours without having to cross a road and you get an amazing amount of vert um, that's runnable. Um, and that I think was the key for me that you're at sea level, well, at 800 meters um, and you can run vert, which was, um, I think, the, the huge thing for me. Yeah. Good sales pitch for Dunedin. Great. Yep. Right. Always. Oh, it's got to be better than their last, their, their latest sales pitch. <laughs> Pretty good plan. Dunedin, loving the D. <laughs> oh no, hang on. Yeah, a pretty good plan. It's better. Dunedin and better than better than Plan E, but not quite up there with Plan C. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And up and Slow running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, back back to being professional though. Like this, like when when was the um like when you first became professional? Or shoot, was it was Salomon? Was that your first um sponsor? Was it? Um, I actually got my first sponsorship from Innovate, um, and that was a pair of shoes. And at that time, I was like, "Wow, man, I'm sponsored by Innovate. I've got a pair of shoes." Three, three shoes. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't be gutted if it was like the only people that came to you with shoe sponsorship were like nomads. Like nomads, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll give you some free shoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and nomads. I was like, absolutely, I'll take it. <laughs> gutted. Oh, what ultra? Oh, they don't even have drop. I don't want those. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so, did you have to? I'd do... rather have a nice pair of shoes like Scott. Did you have to do anything? Did you have to do anything in return for your free free shoes back then? Um, I had to run in the shoes, um, yeah. and to be honest, it was a game changer for me because it, I don't know if you've if you've seen them, but it was when they were called the Mudclaw, the original Mudclaw, and they had yeah. studs like this big on them. They were gnarly, gnarly shoes, and they didn't really have cushion in them, but they had awesome, awesome grip that was like kind of off to, I mean, lacing system that was kind of off to the side of your foot, and your foot just did not move. They were an, an amazing shoe. Um, and I was in the UK and racing a lot in the fells. So it's all like grassy on the contours. And it was like an instant thing. I got more confident. And um, because these shoes were amazing, like I just was not going to fall over because, or it wasn't going to slip over. So my downhills got better, my uphills got more aggressive. Um, That's exactly so how I feel about my Scott running shoes. There you go. Are you sponsored with your free pair of shoes? Is it all grant guys? I, I, I had to bloody pay for them. <laughs> I had to pay for them, but he may or may not have given me a discount, but there was money involved. It's, it's probably not a very good sponsorship deal. But... <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty shitty because it's all got to pay for your shoes. Oh, Maybe right. you need a new manager. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk to my manager. 
that's probably a start. I probably need to get a manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve. No, you're not, you're not too busy. No, I'm busy. <laughs> I got a job. Oh. Oh. Allegedly. So what happened to those shoes? Yeah. All right. Um, they're on the pedestal somewhere. Um, <laughs> I did. I did all my racing in them until I wore them to the ground, actually. Um, and then. Oh, oh hey. <laughs> um, sorry, Anna. I, I was um, like a lot of people. I've been watching the last dance, and um, Michael Jordan, his last game from the Bulls, he he busted out his original pair of Air Jordans. Yeah. Is that something you did in your last um, professional race? Well, busted out your I, old mug claws. That's still coming up on June 21st. My really? last professional race. Really? Yeah, it's the, oh, what, oh, what do you call it? The Chicago last race. standing on cargo. Oh, right. Oh, the, uh, um, the last person standing. Are you coming to that for your last professional race? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. Oh, and you heard it right yeah. here, people. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see those mud claws. I know. Yeah, I better dig them out and blow the dust off them. Yeah, you might need them for the smelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not not for the mud. It's more the dog shit. But uh. <laughs> 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 that, that wouldn't have that that, that. that shoe probably wouldn't sell though, would it? You know the the dog shit claw. No, probably not. Well, might do. After quarantine, there was a whole lot of dog poop everywhere. So. I mean, not quite. Yeah, yeah, lockdown seemed like there was a ton more dog poop around. Oh, well, yeah, no, it's um, you know, it's the thing with um, crush the cargo. Like, there's um, that radio station that decides to they they get everyone to bring their dogs down to Bethune Scully just as we're finishing, and um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It's like two two hundred oh. dogs of two hundred different species all walking around. Well, yeah, and you can't get out of the car park because there's yeah. dogs everywhere. Yeah. Well, hasn't that happened? Yeah. That's happened the yeah, last yeah. two years, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hilarious. We might as well just say it happens every year. Yeah. Yeah, we should. We actually organised yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's part of your organisation. <laughs> that's right. So, how'd that fifty mile ago? Where, um, it was it was horrible. Um, I hated nearly every <laughs> second of it, actually. Um, and there were so many things I couldn't believe that were happening. Like I was standing at the start line, like basically pooping my pants that I was not going to be able to finish. And I looked around behind me and there was hundreds of other people that, and I was looking at them thinking all these people think they're going to finish as well. Like why, why does everyone think that they can finish 50 mile? This is really hard. And so I actually took a lot of, confidence from all of those people that were standing there. I was like, well, if all of those people think they can, then I should be able to think I can as well. Um, and then we set off like we were in a hundred meter race. And I remember after five miles speaking to Lizzie Hawker, she was there running with me and I said to her, Lizzie, is this how fast we're going to run this whole race? And she said, yep, you better buckle up. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I am pooped. This is so fast. And um, sure enough, <laughs> I was just, I was just astounded at it. And I remember getting to about four and a half hours into the race. Um, so at about 30 miles and um, caught up with a friend who was bonking at that point. And I said, everything hurts and I've still got 20 miles to go. And he said, just suck it up. Like you can do this. It's, it's just running. It's just in your mind. 
and I was, I was just blown away. And actually it's really funny that um, those years we were actually allowed paces for the 50 miles. So I picked up a pacer at 30 miles and um, got to the next aid station and I was in tears cause I was so sore and I was, I swore that we'd gone the wrong way. And um, my pacer was saying to me like, get a grip. You're going the right way. We're following the markers. We're at an aid station. How can we be at the wrong place if we're at an aid station like we're fine and um the woman said to me what are you crying about you're in the lead now get out of here <laughs> i was like what do you mean i'm in the lead oh my gosh so i don't know what had happened in my brain i had sort of just got myself so um stressed out in the moment that i was in so much pain that i hadn't realized that i was in the lead so i went into the last 10k then being like so scared that everyone was chasing me so I was like running like this, looking over my shoulder every two seconds and the pace with me, he was like, you need to get a grip and just look ahead and run. And I pretty much sprinted the last 10 miles because I was so scared and um, hated every second of it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and then you gave up running. <laughs> no, I signed up for the same race this year, like 10 minutes later. I, I don't know what happens. It's the most stupid thing. <laughs> yeah, that's and awesome. It, it, it's, it's funny. It, it's funny what it does to um, like running long races does to people, eh? Because oh, I don't think anyone ever actually enjoys it at the start. You're always like nervous, and then it's oh no, you all sorts of things happen. You get cold and dirty. Things hurt. You get grazes. Um, then your bloody legs seize up. Um, if you're doing north burn, you you tell how much you hate him and and then then you sign up again it's weird yeah uh, it's really weird and then the stupid thing is is that you sign up for even longer distance you're like oh that was fun i think i'll just sign up for a hundred miles why not yep. what could go wrong yeah so when <laughs> what, what's the worst thing that's happened to you in a race speaking of things that go wrong um, I was butted off the track by a yak when I was in Nepal. Nice. It was, it was the worst thing ever. He, yak, yak, don't come back. Yeah. Fortunately, my hand was, um, like kind of going forward as I ran past it and he just turned around and butted me with his big horn and it like busted ah. all my knuckles. Um, and I, I'm sure if it hadn't got my knuckles, it would have got my rib. Um, but it knocked me down to the ground and off the trail. And so I'm lying in a heap on the ground, like bleeding from my knuckles. And the yak shepherd, I guess they're called, shepherd, herder, whatever they are, just picks me up and pushes me along and says, go, go, go. Um, and I remember just running along the trail. <laughs> I, I was, it was just awful. I was like, that's so mean of it. I didn't, I wasn't doing anything wrong. <laughs> was that a race or? It was, it was the, wow. um, what's it called? The Everest Marathon? Yeah. Everest oh, Marathon, yeah. Marathon, yeah. Wow, that's pretty unlucky, eh? I think that's... Yeah, it was really unlucky. Bizarre. Well, what, what about you, Adam? Have you ever been butted off a track? Uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to, to, to butt Steve off in a, in a, in a um, was it the Love Lock Relays once. Then Chris yeah. sold me off. He says, hey, don't do that. You might injure him. <laughs> hey, pressure <laughs> goods. 
Yeah. Speaking of the Lovelock relays, are they going to do any of the any of the Dunedin relays this year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's talk about. I think they're going to do some cross country soon. I think. But yeah, but I don't know about the relays. The Ponydales. That's one of my favourites. Yeah, that will. They'll be off. Uh, that's usually yeah. about April, May, anyway. So. I don't think anyone's got the energy to uh, put that on instead. Three oh, peaks I, back on. Three I, peaks, October the 11th. Sweet. Oh, okay. when? Sorry, what? October 11th. Yeah. Great. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Hey, cool. I mean, um, maybe you guys know him. Is it Peter Lang? No. You know the name, Peter Lang? No, I think so. He was one of the original... Um, they call them Otago Hill Runners. That was the original Hill City guys. I met oh, him out yeah. on the trail. He said, oh, you should try this race called the Three Peaks. And I said, oh, yep, heard of it. Yeah. Are you looking back now? Because you've had a couple of years off, right? It feels like a million years off. A million yep. years, yeah. I've had a million years off. Are you looking back now going, oh, this is, I want to get back into it? Um, Actually, it's weird. Looking back at, you know, when someone's, shows me a picture of me running hard rock or yeah. even of doing any race that I've done for me to think about that seems like such a long or maybe a different life. You know, for me right now, I feel like, Oh my gosh, to run a hundred miles at the time I was like, yeah, I'm strong. I can do this. And now I'm like, I don't know how I could humanly do that. Like I was strong. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, and you give yourself, well, I've been giving myself a lot of credit for it. I was like, oh my gosh, that was pretty incredible because now when I go out for a run and I have even a like one kilometer uphill, I'm like, boy, this is real hard. I think I'll just yeah. walk and down for a second. Uh, um, I'm, I'm tired of hills. I'm moving in for cargo. Yeah, I think I, I think I heard another podcast that you're on, Anna, and you're talking about someone said to you you know how come you haven't done a hundred mile race or you you've only done a couple or something and you would just you just said because they're hard yeah and, and uh i think people appreciate that right because like we had we spoke to uh jeff browning and and i mean that that, that that guy's just crushing it and he's just kind of rattling off that he's done 3900 milers and i'm like just hang on a second like just <laughs> just talk about that a little bit you know because that's crazy yeah, and so, saying that Adam was more interested in talking about his diet with him. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think I think people appreciate um, your honesty and stuff, and and it, it's you know it's probably it's probably better for the for the public and stuff. Like this, this is hard. Like if you're going to do this, it's going to be brutal. Yeah, and you know I think what has happened for a lot of us is that you get sort of on the the roller coaster with everyone and it's like oh yeah i've done you know we've done half marathons we've done marathons we've done 50k we've done 50 mile now what's next it's the 100k it's 100 mile and it it, it doesn't actually have to be a longer distance just to stay you know in the scene you know doing what's fashionable or trending in the running you could just do a 50 mile faster or you could just do a hilly one or you could do a you could do a marathon in a different place but sometimes I feel like people think that they should do a hundred miles because that's next. Um, yeah. Have and you thought about doing shorter stuff, getting into the sprints and things like that? Absolutely. I think about that. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's so much easier. hundred meters. I reckon. I reckon you're tailor made for a hundred meter sprint. Oh, um, absolutely. Four hundred meter car park races. You could do those. Yep, I've got that down now. Um, All right. Did, did someone make a Did someone make a Strava segment of that car park? By the way. Yeah, I think Braz made one. She was in quarantine <laughs> in, a, in a hotel for two weeks, Adam. Oh, oh now sp speaking of oh, right. speaking of speaking of Braz, now I, I had um I had Grant guys on the phone and mm -hmm. um so I said, Oh look, we're interviewing Anna Frost. He's like, Oh, oh, you got you gotta mention that you gotta mention that Strava segment that I'm that I'm way faster than Braz on. What's the, you know, make sure you mention it. So there you go, I've mentioned it. Okay. Yeah, I think that was when Grant cheated and ran through all the bushes to get the the record. Yeah, he probably got lost. He was always getting lost. Or maybe he was on his bike. You've got, you've got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but yes, going back to 100, 100 miles, I remember I was, you know, you speak to some people and, and they actually love running 100 miles. Like, like you say, Jeff, and speak to Carl. Like, Carl uh, Meltzer, I'm talking about, he thinks yeah. it's, he thinks they're great fun. They're just like, but for you know day out it's great it's just 100 miles and he says that it's just 100 miles and you know I've in, been in some ways it is in some ways it is but in some ways it's not in some in a lot of ways it's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um i have to be honest i don't actually like 100 miles it's yeah. hard and it's long and it's it's brutal like you spend yeah. months being totally consumed by that 100 miles and you spend months afterwards being in agony from that 100 miles like you can't feel your toes and your toenails are falling off and you can't run because your legs got no energy and your body goes into turmoil like um the only reason i actually ever ran 100 miles is because i wanted to do hard rock had hard rock had been 50 miles I don't know if I ever would have stepped up to doing 100 miles and i remember racing in hard rock um the last the last time, so that was 2017, um, and I was and running with. Confirm you're faster than Grant Guys that day. Yes. Oh, actually, yeah. no. He he beat me that day. So that's the only reason I have oh. to go back. I know I have to go back, but I still have the fastest time between me and Grant on Hard Rock. Oh, okay, that's what counts. Yeah. Absolutely. That's like me and Steve in the 50k at Naseby. <laughs> No, that doesn't count. <laughs> so what, what's, the what's the fascination with Hard Rock? It's just beautiful. And it's, um, it's brutal. Um, you're going over, yeah. you know, you spend, you start at 3,000 metres altitude and you never go below that. You go up to 4,300 metres, like a couple of times. And so you you're just high and you're exposed. Um, there's barely any aid stations and the people there, they're quirky, they're crazy. They're a tight knit family. Um, and it's, it's just stunning. You know, you're out there and it's like the first time I went to the mountain race, I was going over the course thinking this can't be the course because there's no trail. That's like hard rock. You're going over this course and a lot of it's on this little tiny elk path or not on a path at all or you know down a scree slope and for me to be able to travel through the mountains like that for a whole day was fascinating mm. um and and once i saw it i just couldn't get it out of my bones i out of my blood i was it was just 
there and I needed to do it. Um, but yeah, it's something that, like I say, if it, if it hadn't been a hundred miles, then I don't think I would have stepped up to that distance. Cause it's just, it's really, really hard and it just takes a lot out of you. Um, yeah. So how many, and, how many times did you do hard rock? Three. Three. Yeah. And you won it twice. And beat Grant guys once. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go back again? Um, I don't think I'll race there again. Um, I'll always go back to the race because it's, um, you know, it's my my other family now. Um, to be able to volunteer there, I volunteered up at Kroger's last year, which is like the same, well, not last year, the last time it was run. Um that wasn't last year. That was two years ago, which is a famous little aid station right up on the, the edge um, of this really gnarly pass where it's kind of like going up a scree slope, going down a scree slope with a rope. Um, you're pretty exposed. You have to wear, you know, your helmets and be sort of like roped in. Um, and that was awesome to be able to volunteer there and give it back to the runners. What's that? The runners have to be roped up and wear a helmet. No, the aid station. Oh, okay, yeah. Does that where they hand out the tequila? Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, what's Terry worried about with mountain difficulty? We should be handling it halfway up the mountain. Yeah, yeah it that, helps. That, 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 that's, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three oh, shots each. Yeah. Uh, then carry on up this 60 degree slope. Oh. Are you guys all doing mountain difficulty? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm just going to marshal, I think. Oh, good on you guys. <laughs> you yeah. going, Andrew? Hey? You're going, aren't you? Oh, well, no. I, I, I live in the real world where you have to pay bills, so <laughs> no, I'm broke this week. Oh, okay. Are you living in your car or what? <laughs> Is he doing yeah, yeah, there's a lot of bills. There was a lot of bills. So. <laughs> Looks like you're, ra you're wrapped up. Have you got a blank? Have you got a blanket on or what? I'm all wrapped. I'm all wrapped up. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a hose coming from the back, pumping in the the warm air and everything. And <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought I thought you looked a bit sleepy. <laughs> oh, it's bloody working. I've been working. I had, a, I had a sleepover shift last night. I was actually on my way home. No, I I could have been I could have I could have been home now, having a coffee, having a little cuddle with my dog. But now I'm I'm parked up on the side of the road just so I can talk to you guys. Oh, it's good but, good that you got your seatbelt on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah, safety first. Stra strap on. So Anna, yeah. are you actually still officially a, a sponsored athlete until June? I'm still um, officially sponsored athlete till next year, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man, um, is there any way you can score us like some? Can you go like, oh my, my shoes wore out. I need some more shoes, and but uh, they're actually like a size forty two now. Some of the traditional um, mud claws. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind some mud claws. I don't know if they still make those things. Yeah. Yeah, they keep changing the shoes a lot. Yeah, it's a problem. Oh, well, no. Anyway, no, no. Don't, don't worry about the shoes. Don't worry about the shoes. Did um, you, uh, oh. back with the 100 miles, did you do anything that was a bit easier than hard rock? Um, I only did, 
I've only done four 100 milers. So my first yeah. one was the Bear 100, which is um, Idaho, Utah. And yeah. um, it was the qualifier that I had to do to be able to get into Hard Rock. And then the other three were Hard Rock. Um, so Hard Rock twice one way, once the other way, you know, because it switches direction. Um, so that's, yeah, been my, been my 100 milers. And people have said, well, if you want to do an easier one, why wouldn't you do something like Western? Yeah. Um, which is flatter. But for me, thinking about doing a flat 100 miler also seems even harder because then you actually have to run. Um, yeah. Whereas something like Hard Rock, you can walk and, um, you know, like power hike up all the uphills and then jog on the downhills. But something like Western, you actually have to, you have to run. Fast yeah. and, oh, okay. Uh, so we're, so we're not, we're not going to see it, the, the 24-hour champs up at the, at the Millennium Track in Auckland anytime soon. Well, I don't know. After my time in quarantine, I actually thought maybe I'm, I am set up for this because to run, you know, that seven or eight kilometers just around, I know it's kilometers, um, seven or eight, but you've got to start somewhere. Um, I, I was amazed at how I could just switch my brain off and manage that time, like 45 minutes or, you know, that time slot that we had just running in those loops, um, and it was something I'd never done before. I've never done one of those 24-hour races on the track or on those short loops. And I don't think I'm saying I'm going to do it. But, you know, I was, I was intrigued that I could get through 8K without... Oh, I'll tell you what, word for the, word for the wise, it's the, it's the worst recovery I've ever had from a race. It was from the 24-hour. It was worse in Northburn. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah I think it's yeah, terrible. Yeah, my, le my, le my legs were just... Yeah, just fucked. And I and I pissed blood too. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. But that's not that wasn't nice. That was that wasn't you know they um provided like the electrolyte drinks like they do at a lot of races. But I think like the the I was going to say the Harry Christians, the Shree Chimneys, they um I think they were a bit scared, so they watered down the electrolytes too much. Yeah, but great yeah. food, great yeah. food, <laughs> lots of potatoes and stuff. And is that the was that on the four hundred meter track? Or is that a one k? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm. that's a, I don't know. Yeah, the the Shree Chinoy crowd, they're, they're they're a funny bunch. It's um, was it self transcendence through running? You know, like, oh, yeah. I guess in a way it is. It's like, cause I, I I sort of look at running as mindfulness if I'm out on a long run. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, they organised the hundred k road champs in Christchurch, um, which is on a footpath around Hagley Park, and and then they organised the the twenty four hour champs as well. So yeah. Yeah. No, I won't be signing up for those. Yeah, that race looks brutal, man. At the moment, I'm just stressed about getting around the half course at Mount Difficulty, the 27 or whatever it is. Oh, cool. So you're doing it? Yeah. So Sweet. I'm going to try. Awesome. Nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a bit wet and cold. Could be a bit of snow, I think. Yeesh. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. You got good gloves. Oh, it'll be fine. It's going to be sunny and warm and beautiful weather. It's all, okay. It always is at Mount Difficulty. Terry always <laughs> threatens us with something horrible, but it actually turns into Mount really? Difficulty. Yeah. So I actually heard there's a bit of a there's a yak on the loose up the up around Mount Difficulty somewhere. <laughs> well, that's why I'm doing the half course, so then I don't see the yak running around. <laughs> Watch out for the grim reaper. Oh no! Very good. Very good. The thing that I think is the best for um, bad weather like that is to carry those little packets of hand warmers. You know, the things oh, yeah. that you like 
snap the wet thing in the middle and they warm up because then yeah. you can I found them lifesavers then you can put them like on your chest to warm up or down your pants or whatever floats your boat mm, cool yeah <laughs> I might I might have to stand there at the corner actually with a couple of those yeah I would speaking yeah. of speaking of down your pants um do you wear underwear when you're running I do I wear icebreaker undies that's a really good question because um and the second year I did that San Fran 50 miler, I, um, I wasn't wearing any undies. I was just wearing, you know, my running, running skirt thing that had like a brief underneath, but it was just Lycra. And it, there was a sideways wind and it was so, so cold and it pretty much froze my bits and my whole pelvis froze. And I actually got four stress fractures in my pelvis in that race. Wow. Um, so wow. since then, I've been wearing icebreaker woolen undies huh. all the time, no matter what. If it's hot or cold, I wear the little um, wool wool underpants. Huh. It's a good question. No right, now ever... you can say your bits, Dave. Uh, well, have you heard of Aerodex? No. Because uh, they're actually running underwear for men, so probably you don't need to hear about them. But they've got a but, special... But Brad did say the ladies could wear them. Did he? Yeah, I suppose he did. Oh, I'm sure they can. Yeah. Anyway, they're um yeah. they're, they're our special sponsor. Yeah. Okay. So what's so special about them? Um, they've got a moisture wicking mesh and two types of elastic and yeah, chafe proof. Okay. Are they warm? That's the no, thing. No, they're Real. not warm. No, okay. they're, they're, I think they're more made for um, breathability and um, okay. yeah, removing sweat. Sedation. Okay. Good to know. You could wear icebreakers on the outside, come to think of it. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of layering going on down there. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, how, how is, um, what, you have a running adventure business or something, don't you? Yep, Trail Run Adventures, which is pretty much ground zero right now um, because we organise running trips around the world with... Um, clients so um you know with covid that sort of put a halt to that real quick yeah. um so we're doing a virtual race if you guys want to do a virtual race you can do that that starts next week um but yeah it's fun it's just mine and brad's little business and um it's kind of cool because we can just dream up you know what would be our dream running trip and um we our first trip was in madeira which is in a uh, portuguese island pretty much off Morocco, way out in the ocean. A stunning, stunning island with um, really high volcanic peaks and then down to the ocean. And they do some really great races out there. They have the um, Mute, which is M-U-I-T, the Ultra, and then they have the Sky Running Race there too. Um, so we kind of, when we were out there, we were like, this would be an awesome running vacation. So um, we sort of set it up with a hotel with local guides and it's, it was the start of um, kind of a dream business for us where we would be the running guides and organize all the logistics from, um, from when they arrived at the airport, we'd pick them up and we'd do all their food, all their hotels, all the running trails. And um, we found that so many people just loved it because, you know, in this, these days people are just busy and they don't have time to organize a running trip. And, um, you know what it's like when you go somewhere new for running and or somewhere new and I don't you, have time to organize my life. Right, exactly. And but 
you know what you still want to go on a holiday and you still want to find the best runs but it's really hard to find a really good one when it's somewhere yeah. so new um so this was it worked really well for us is that we could find the six best runs in this in the area um and with a with local guides we always use the local people um to support their community as well um we'd find the six best runs and take these people and our clients just loved it they were they didn't have to think we would tell them how many sandwiches to take would stop at cafes along the way to get ice creams and coffees and extra calories. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really fabulous at the moment. We're, um, looking into organizing now some more, I guess, local moving trips. So something in New Zealand, um, which I would love to do something around Ben Lomond, um, station area. Um, and then something in Colorado, so around the Hard Rock course, um, just moving with backpack and um, moving from camp to camp um, so that people don't have to travel internationally um, and they have something sort of that they could drive to in their countries. Um, so that's our next thing. But you can do the virtual race. What, what, what's the virtual race like? What's that about? It's based on a point system, so you can basically do whatever works for your strength. So if you are a fast uphill runner or a fast flat runner, then you can just run your distance. So you do a run that's up to two hours and you submit that to us and you get your points and you get two chances over two weeks. Um, and then we've got heaps of awesome spot prizes from... Um, Polar watches to Merrill shoes, icebreakers, Spring Energy, UD. Um, how, how, how much? How much proof do you do? Because I actually, I, I actually ran a, a sub one hour half marathon the other day. How much proof do we do? What you mean? Do we check into? Yeah, how much you proof mean? do you need? Um, we need photographic evidence that you're not on a bike. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Check. Check. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's our um, that's our little mission right now, and um, yeah, it's been really fun to do that with Braz and have our little family um, on the road together because we can take Skylar with us as well. So she's getting some pretty good air miles as well. Um, it has meant though that I have been guiding less, and Braz is doing doing most of the guiding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does that have a name? That virtual challenge. Um, Trail Run Adventures Virtual Challenge. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. We'll check it out. Is Killian doing it? Did I see that? Yes. Killian is doing it. Um, but he won't count for the total end prize because we kind of guessed that he would probably win. Um, so I said, Killian, you can enter, but you can't win any of the prizes. He said okay. that was okay. So, but it's cool that um, he's going to join in. So you can kind of see like how you match up with him. And, um, you know, he's, he's training pretty fast right now. I don't know if you've seen his um, sort of efforts on the track there that he's got in Norway. Um, and he, he can move. So, yeah, it would be awesome to be able to sort of stack yourself up against him. Um, I'm going to do it as well. I'm not real fast right now, but um, <laughs> I'll give it a go. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll have a few more people. Um, I think Francois Dehaene, the French runner, he's going to join in as well. Um, yeah, yeah so we've got some got some good people joining in, so it'll be fun. That's yeah. Cool. Did you see that April Fool's joke that Killian did? Uh, his fishing one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
that was quite funny. He was going to give up. He was giving oh, up. Oh, the one when he retired fishing. from running or something. Yeah. 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 Taking up fishing. Yeah, yeah. Not well. a bad place to do it either, though. <laughs> That's yeah. true. I was half thinking it was serious. <laughs> yeah, so did I for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, he's never crushed the cargo. No. That's a good point. Oh. Have you, maybe you should invite him. He can't. He can't not do that before he before he. You know, he's got to retire. Should I send him Sorry? a special invitation from you guys? Yeah, I think you should. Well, maybe we could get him on the show and we'll, we'll ask him. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, send him an invitation to the show then, Anna. Thanks. I will. I'll do that for you. <laughs> Great. Who else should we get on yeah. the show? So what, what's the story with um, Zizu girls? Sisu girls. Yeah. Um. So Sisu girls, um, it's uh, it's an empowerment. Um, it's Sisu is a Finnish word that pretty much means um, persistence and strength and um, diversity. Um, when things get when times get tough, you know. So, um. It was something that a friend and I had come up with and we were concerned that girls were not being empowered um, and that they weren't getting in the outdoors and learning to get up and have another go and have another go until you achieve or until at least you can say, I gave it a good go and I still can't do it, but I gave it a good go. Um, so it was a way of encouraging girls but also boys to um have a go at things and keep having a go at things um and then so we've taken it a step further now where it's um if we can empower women then they can be great role models for the young girls in their world as well because without role models and by role models we don't mean like you have to be a professional runner or a professional skier and sending backflips backflips off cliffs like you could just be a That's kind true. of even, even steve can be a role model yes even steve can be a role model um that yeah that and that we can all we all should be role models for the young people because they need that um and it's just to help those people like you know pick themselves up dust off the dusty bits or the cut cuts and grazes and have another go um so CSU girls it's it's yeah. a very very broad thing um it's got lots of directions it could go and um it's something that i will try to develop more um it's just taking a little bit of brain power to find out which way we go and and how we keep developing that yeah yeah what are, what are the barriers for girls getting out there and joining outdoors um, to be honest, I think it's social media. Um, I also think it, because if you look at social media, everyone's perfect and everyone's happy and everyone's having a great time. Um, oh, you haven't looked at my social media. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> I'll check in. You're <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably best not to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, people only show like 
you know, it's like um, I'll I'll, 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 I'll post that photo of me crossing the finish line. I'm not going to post, you know, not the photo of when you're, you know, stuck in the portal and too scared to come out. Yeah, exactly. And those are the yeah. those are the real things, and those are the lessons, and those are where you grow. You know, you don't you don't learn things from seeing that beautiful picture of your pedicured toenails at the finish line. You you see the lessons, and you learn the lessons from seeing those painful parts along the way. Um, and I think that's the important part that people don't share how much of a journey it's been you know they just say hey look at me it's great today they don't say like hey this has been really tough and it was something I saw a lot of and and struggled through when Skylar was born um it was the hardest thing I've ever done having a baby it was harder than running 100 miles by a million miles um but people don't say that the things that you see about babies is like oh I'm so in love this is so great it's not. It's horrible. It's so hard, and like you don't sleep. You oh, everyone goes on about like childbirth being this amazing experience, but it's horrible and disgusting and painful. <laughs> it's it's horrific. <laughs> it's traumatic, and yeah. um, yeah, you've brought a life into your world that you learn a whole new level of love, and it that's an incredible thing. But it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and. Um, I really, really noticed that people were not really honest about that and not yeah. really honest about the journey of that. Um, yeah. Well, know, they're just taking speaking, one side, right? They're, just, with, um, they're showing a small part of it. Yeah, and it's the part that you see on social media because... It's the social it, media part. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we've got, to, we've got to get to a point, right, where, you know, social media, even the news now... You, you you can't if you're watching it to get information you're wasting your time yeah like you know you know what i mean it's like oh, you've got to you've got to you've got to read a book you've got to talk to someone yeah. who's an expert you can't if you're relying on these these forms of media or whatever then it's well it's like you've failed if you are also not like that so you know people don't just say oh yeah this is really hard because uh, yeah. then you're admitting that you've failed at it or that you're not you're well not doing. it's that's not good for advertising and it's not good for the the monetary side of it right like people want i don't know like in some ways people want honesty and that stuff's popular like if you if you go you know on a podcast or something and you're honest then you you probably get some good feedback but in the mainstream i think if if you're too honest then they, they'll cut you yeah you know? <laughs> like no one wants to hear it no exactly but you know, um, well, yeah like you say it doesn't sell things it's not a, you need a sound bite you need a couple of sound bites and that's what we're going to show and the rest of it we're going to cut so you're welcome to be honest on our podcast because it doesn't sell anyway well i i think from <laughs> well, like, does, anna's great because i think honest. she does does give like an honest opinion right and there's yeah. especially in like ultra running there's this whole you know i don't know maybe it's just assumed that it's hard um, but I think like sometimes when, and particularly with like, like maybe elites and stuff, they're just like, oh yeah, you know, like I had a good race and I, I pushed hard and there were some challenging times and you're like, okay, but hang on. Like it was, pro you were probably almost going to burst into tears or something, you know, like you're throwing up or like, you know, who knows what was going on. Um, but it's just like, oh, it was challenging. And then, you know, you know, I was glad to get to the finish or something. And you're like, well, that doesn't really describe what happened to you. I, just don't, I don't know if I've actually just... thrown up in a race yet, now that you mention it, Adam. Uh, I don't think I have. I've felt, I've felt pretty sick, but... 
I'm going to throw. Oh out. yeah, about six. I've never. I've, I've thrown up after, like you know, like an hour or two after a race. But I've never thrown up during a race. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think anyway, you've. I, I think um, you've got this distorted view of uh, hundred milers because you've just done hard rock, right? So it's that's got to be one of the most brutal ones you can do. But then when I hear you talk, I think for ninety percent of people, that's the accurate. That's like an accurate description of how it is. Like it's yeah. It's t- like whether it's flat or easy or whether you're really well trained for it. Um, you st- oh, it's still shit. it's if still it tough. Easy, people wouldn't be doing them either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people are, um, you know, people are always looking for that next challenge because we want to, we have to find something bigger and bigger and bigger to continually challenge ourselves with. Um, And so for some weird reason, and it's a very privileged reason, you know, for all of us that we go, like, if you think about it, it's, it's so stupid, isn't it? Like, there are so many people that are actually running for their lives. Like yep. they don't have food, they don't have water along the way and they're literally running for their lives. They'll run over a hundred miles to get to somewhere safe. And there we are like sitting at our computer saying, oh yeah, submit, I really want to run a hundred miles. And then we go to the start line purely for our choice to go somewhere that we know is going to be painful and dark and hard just to get to the finish line to say we did it. It's a yeah. really, really strange thing that we, that we choose to do. It's a, an incredibly privileged thing that I think often we forget about too. So when we no, are... Like in time. What was that? I mean, like, what else are you going to do? Sit around at home watching Jeremy Kyle? Oh, exactly. I mean... Yeah. You, must, you might as well go out for a really long run. It's probably better for you. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't think it is better for you. <laughs> Oh, that's a good point too. So going back to CC girls and and role models and and getting people out, you know, empowering our our girls and and boys to get outside. Um, (laughs) Hang on, just keep doing that, Andrew. I'm just going to get a video of you. Are you recording this, eh, Steve? Sweet. Yeah. Perfect. So uh, um, how, how do you do that? Um, it's, it's tough. And that's why we're, you know, always trying to find new ways to empower, um, the kids in our world. And so we did a book, um, the Fearless Frosty book was a start because we found that a lot of kids books are also like fairy tales and princesses and, um, things that are really hard to relate. Well, you can't relate to because it's not real. So we did a series of book of real stories, one with um, Myra Ray, the Nepali runner, and with um, Lane Beachley, who's um, the surfer, well, uh, seven-time uh, surf champion, um, to tell sort of true stories. And nothing that people don't already know, you know, it's just stories yeah. of like, I wanted to play hockey, so I played hockey, and I wanted to run around those mountains. And even though there were some people saying you couldn't do that, then yeah, you, you can do that if you just keep trying. So, um, I and I think it starts with schools as well. Schools have to um, really keep encouraging the kids to join a club that they don't know about or start a sport that they have thought, oh, I don't know if I'm very good at that, but encourage them to have a go at it um because i think what happens is that 
kids just say, no, I don't want to play that without even trying it because they don't want to fail. Um, and we have to encourage those kids that you might actually have to not be good at this to yeah. know if you are going to be good at it. Cause yeah. the thing if unless we try, we never know if we're going to be good. And that was for me with running, you know, I didn't have a good run the first race I did, but I loved it. And so I wanted to try again. Um, but how do you get those kids to take that first step and do it? Um, that's the hard part. So do you get go around the schools and, and... Um, yeah, there's a couple of programs that they had started with um, doing things like skateboarding for girls and getting um, professional skateboarders in to come and help them learn a skill that's um, typically male dominated. Mm -hmm. um, and that was pretty empowering for a lot of schools that uh, we're not running that right now, but um, that was one project. And I know there's quite a few different projects. Um, I think there's one called Mermaids and there's one called um, Girls on the Run and they're like after school programs for kids to run and exercise. Okay. Um, but it's definitely something that, yeah, you can go into schools and, and I think if we could find a program or a way that schools would allow you to come into school and say, all right, everyone, go and experience this, have a go. Um, yeah. That was the beauty of outdoor education when I was at school. And I know, unfortunately, a lot of schools have cut the amount of PE or outdoor education that they have in schools because they just don't have time mm. or the facilities. Um, but outdoor education, what better way to learn um, through experience, through adversity, you know, you have to make a campfire because otherwise you can't cook your, fe your food. You know, you used to do those, what were they called, where you made that dough stuff and put it oh, around twisties. the twisties. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I learned so much about things just doing that, you know, oh, you could actually cook food. I had to learn how to make the campfire and pitch a tent. Um, that sort of thing we can do as families, as friends with the people around us. Um, it's, it's hard having fun. You know, it's not easy to go out and, and make some fun or have fun, but um, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cool. I was just um, hearing the other day, you know, talking about that couple that got lost up in the um, Kaharangi and um, yeah. how they did everything right. And they took, they interviewed wow. the psychologists. No, they did not do anything right. <laughs> That's they, a bit of a stretch, Steve. Okay, okay, they, they, <laughs> relatively. But um, they, they interviewed the uh, What were there? What, what were the, what, 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 what lockdown? What, what, what lockdown? Yeah, yeah, all right. Forget about, forget about COVID. Let's just. <laughs> and, did, and did they have a locator beacon? They, they could just fire up the locator beacon. They would have got their hands up the right a lot earlier. That's wrong. <laughs> But relatively, compared to others that end up... And apart from the two obvious big clangers that <laughs> almost led yeah, them to die. But anyway, there was this guy... Apart who, from those two things. <laughs> there was a psychologist who talked move on, about, Steve? Yeah, yeah, this psychologist who talked about the psychology of being lost and, they are, um, and how people, the more experience they have, the, the, the less they go off in the wrong direction and um and all these and the better they are at navigating and all this stuff and how um different people will have different abilities to navigate but it's not an inherent ability it's something that's learned yeah and, and it was it was actually really interesting listening to this guy because he said so he, he was talking about these people well he's talking about it in general but is because they didn't have an inherent ability to 
find where they were. They well, they they had they didn't they didn't have that skill. What they didn't do was they didn't have an inherent ability to hire a locator beacon. But they didn't keep walking. Where most people, when they're lost, they'll actually keep walking in the wrong direction. So it's a lot harder for searchers to find them. Yeah. What these people did. One Other, otherwise, they did everything uh, wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The one thing they did that was right was they stayed put. Oh, probably because <laughs> they'd done everything else wrong, so they had no other option. Maybe we should change story. <laughs> That's a good story, Steve. Thanks for that. Take a map and a compass with you. Uh, it just made me think about about the fact that we need to make, make sure you're not breaking any lockdown restrictions. Yeah, that too. Well, that's, you know, that's that's by the by. That's debatable, you know. You're out in the forest. <laughs> Don't get lost, you know. Don't you're not, not going to spread it. You're not going to yeah. catch it. You're in the forest. Yeah, you let's... Oh, I, oh, hang on. That's hang a sound bite. That's a media sound bite, you know. Winston Peters would love you for that one, Adam. He's going to steal it. Well the, well, the media run with it, right, and go, oh, they shouldn't have been out there. It's like, yeah. is that, re- really, is that what we're worrying about? Back to Sisu girls. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're worrying about, guys? We're worrying about a couple that got lost in the bush. And, it, and it's just gone off to making coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anna, we, we, talked Chris, we talked to Chris McDougall last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he says you're one of his biggest fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, was, he thought he you were Australian. Raven. Oh, yeah, he says that every single time. <laughs> we, should have cut, we should have cut him then. We should have just cut the podcast then. Yeah, before he cut us, you mean. Yeah. See you, Chris. Uh, yeah, it's like See that. We always, keep, we always keep it rolling a bit long, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> much like. <laughs> is, it, is it a bad time for me to bring up another serious topic? If you don't, I will. Okay, I will, I will, I will. So, um, speaking of uh, male-dominated sports, what's it been like for you as a woman in a male-dominated sport? Um, yeah, it's a that's an interesting thing for trail running because um, when I was in mountain running, you know, like we were saying before, the distances were separate for men and women because women can't run as far as men, obviously. Um, yeah. And so we we did fight that. We battled that. Prize money was different for men and women. This was like between 2004 and let's say 2010. And um, we we did stand up and fight for that. And most of the race directors balanced out the prize money, um, but didn't balance out the distances as much. Um, And so what happened in mountain running is that we were separate anyway, you know, the men were running their race, the women were running their race. But the beauty of trail running is that every single person stands on the same start line and they start at the same time and they run the same course and they finish at the same finish line. Um, and what I love about that is that you know that you have an entire field doing the same thing as you. For whatever reason, you know, we all have our own reasons for running a race. But the fact is that we are all standing on the same place. We are all going the same way and we're all finishing in the same place. For me, that makes an incredibly strong community. And um, you know that when you're in that race and it's getting hard and there's tough times, you know that people behind you and people in front of you are also going through the same things at different points. And um, that's why I love trail running. And so for me, I've never, once I got into trail running, I never felt like, 
the separation between male and female. It was just, we were all in, we were all in it for the same thing. And um, there, there hasn't really been an imbalance in prize money in trail running that I've noticed. Um, now you'll see that there's more and more women entering like the San Francisco 50 miler, for example, is 49% women entered, uh -huh. which is incredible. Yeah. Um, something like hard rock is 16 women out of 150 people. But um, that's not Hard Rock's fault. It's the fact that not as many women are entering. Um, yeah. It, it's, yeah. A bit, it's a little bit mis like, like overall, like um, participation from girls and, and that is going up across sports, right? Um, yeah. and, and, and for males, it's going down. So um, I'm sure there's like examples like Hard Rock, but that could be specific reasons, right? Like, um, yeah, you know, you have to qualify which means that you have to do another 100 miles, you know, one of the selected tough 100 miles to qualify. Yeah, um, yeah less women are putting their hands up to race that race. Yeah, I don't, I don't. But for things like 10Ks, half marathons, marathons, I think the participation of girls is like overwhelming compared yeah. to... Yeah, and I think now, um, you know, I've only maybe a couple of times in my life had a guy that's like, got a bit macho about things and won't let me pass on a trail um whether that's because i'm a female or just because he doesn't want anyone to pass him i don't know but um typically i've been incredibly supported um yeah. and i haven't ever really felt like you know a man against a woman sort of a thing in trail running i've only ever felt support for um who i am on a trail and i you know if i see a guy ahead of me or a girl ahead of me i'm still going to chase them Sorry, Anna, that wasn't Grant you were talking about just then, was it? Yeah, it's always Grant. It's always Grant's fault. <laughs> no, I'll have a word to him. He'll be there on He hasn't run much since you beat him. No, I think he's still in trauma about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, when you look back at your races and you look back at um, hard rock and stuff, do you think now, like now that you've um you know kind of out of you know not not in that space anymore do you look back and think you could have done things differently or do you think you pretty much nailed it as it was and you're really strong or um yeah you always think you know and 100 miles is a, like you're out there a real long time like yeah i think my fastest 100 mile was 28 and a half hours um so a lot happens in that, you know, even when you're not running a hundred miles in 28 hours, a lot happens, you know, you, you feel good. You don't feel good. You feel tired. You don't feel tired. Um, oh, wow. I've, I've run a hundred miles faster than you. Yeah. Is, like, my fastest 100 mile is 21 hours flat. <laughs> and that was the bear. So, you know, they're not the fast ones at all. Um, oh, 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, well done. I think I did it. I think my quickest is like twenty hours flat. Yeah, nice. on the track. Oof. Yeah. So I don't think oh, I could do that. It still counts though. It does count. Absolutely, it counts. Um. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I don't know. Like once once you get into a one hundred mile race, it's hard yeah. to know. Like, yeah. If you say, "Oh yeah, I could have done that different," or yeah. Um, maybe something else would have come up. I definitely, you know, had patches and every year I did hard rock where I would have loved to have thought if I hadn't have had that break on the side. Yeah. Then um, 
Well, you, you know what? You know what, Anna? Um, I just I, I just missed everything everyone was talking about. <laughs> um, but when uh, when Park Run come back, I'd like to see you there on the start line. Yeah, when is Park Run coming back? Well, they reckon the end of June uh, at the earliest. Oh, they can't do it until level one, basically. Okay. What about um, a race like the um, Port Chalmers to Dunedin race? Because that one's a handicap start, so you could do yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's not going to be an issue next month anyway, because we'll be level one. Okay. Bring back the races then. Yeah. Hey, Anna, can we... Do you hey, think anyway, guys... Um, I've got I've got to get going because I, I left um uh, I left Archie inside last night so he's he's probably done a he's probably done a shit in the lounge. Yep. Yeah. 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 But hey, um, yeah, like um, great great talking to everybody. Um, yeah, great. And, thank you. Thank you. Oh God, I need a coffee. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, oh, we've done we've done the aerodex thing. Worst race ever. Oh, that was probably yeah. um. So yeah. that's all good. We talked about Grant guys. That's all good. Yeah. Scott shoes. Um. Yeah. Shoes. Have we? Well, we mentioned Invercargill. Yeah. Uh, um, New Zealand. That's about yeah, that, it. I mean, we've covered everything. Yeah. I we're gonna. I think we're gonna start a campaign, Anna, um, for you to become a counsellor in Dunedin. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of madness going on there at the moment, so. Yeah. Oh, come um, on. Oh, actually, off the top of your head, can you come up with a better, a better slogan to advertise Dunedin? Um, no. Home of Crush. Oh, no, well. I'll think about it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Pretty um, good plan, Steve. We're probably... Prob well, guys, good talking. Yeah. I'll see you yeah. later. Okay. See you, mate. Hi, Andrew. See ya. Have a good sleep. <laughs> I think he is asleep. <laughs> See you, bro. See you. Oh, I haven't even fucking left yet. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was driving at the start. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is cool. He would be halfway to Christchurch by now. This has been quite a long, long chat. Yeah. 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 Like on um, really? editing this one out. No, cool. we don't edit. No, it's really, really yeah. <laughs> so um thanks heaps for the yeah. chat, Anna. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for um, the chat and we'll see you guys um on the weekend. weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yep, oh, Saturday. Up. See you Saturday. Just tell your hoodlum friend outside. You ain't got time to take a ride. Yaggity yak. Don't talk back. Yaggity yak, yaggity yak. Yeah.